Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are rallying this morning on the back of gains on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo leading the charge. The Nikkei is up 1.6% in early trade. Seoul and Sydney both trading about half a percent higher. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. It's Thursday, Ryan Huang. Good morning. <laughs> morning, Michelle. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good, Ryan. We did launch the book, Small States in a Big World, edited by Professor Tommy Koh. A professor with the international stage, you know. Small states, but it's a huge book. How many people wrote it? <laughs> yeah, about 40 contributors from all over the globe. Yesterday was a gathering of the who's who, the diplomatic corps in Singapore. So, you know, many ambassadors, former Irish ambassador to Singapore, Pat mm. Byrne contributed. Um, a whole range of ambassadors. Tommy Cole wrote a great essay as well on, you know, can a small state win medals at the Olympics? Mm, who better host it than you? Thank you very much. I had a great time. So the book is out. Buy it, everybody. Buy it. Published by ST Press, got a beautiful cover and Professor joked that he told the designer to make the cover as beautiful as his wife. <laughs> Great sense of humor. So, all right, Ryan, let's start this morning at the Steve Jobs Theater at Apple's headquarters in Cupertino, California, where CEO Tim Cook has unveiled the latest Apple products before an audience of journalists and enthusiasts in the company's first person launch event in three years. Wow. Yesterday on the show, Ryan, we discussed whether or not Cook would announce one more thing. That's classic job style. To launch a new product line didn't happen, but it seems the biggest surprise is something that Cook and Apple did not do, and it's got to do with the Kaching. What is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's come down to prices. They did not raise prices. So that was something some people were expecting that, and this uh, was looking out for maybe a fifteen percent rise in prices to help offset those rising costs of uh, raw materials production components. So that didn't really happen. So that's interesting to see because Apple, like many other people and companies, are just facing these cost pressures despite rolling out better hardware, Mm. bigger phones, better phones with better cameras. Prices still remain the same. Pretty much the same price as the iPhone 13 last year. So most analysts were expecting Apple to hike smartphone prices by as much as 15% to make up for the rising component prices you mentioned, Ryan. But as you said, it is keeping its retail prices steady despite rising inflation. So question is, could this cut into Apple's profits? Yeah, so the big question was whether people would be willing to pay more in this type of climate right now. Inflationary pressures at 40-year highs, at least in the US and many other places. And if Apple did raise prices, would people pay more? So I think Apple decided that maybe not. And if they perhaps raise prices, people would not buy as many iPhones. So in that sense, they would have been hurt more raising prices rather than not. So this is, I think, part of the pricing strategy, recognizing that some consumers may not be willing or having the appetite to pay much more than what they are used to at the moment. So maybe down the road, they could adjust it. But for now, it looks like they are content to keep or at least try to uh, maintain their market share or if they can, increase it. Mm. So that's, I think, the name of the game here. Apple trying to hold on right now 
uh, of course, I think it will mean having to absorb some of these rising costs. Yeah, it's an interesting gambit by Apple, isn't it? It looks like they are encouraging Apple fans to upgrade to those pro phones that have higher margins, and yet the company doesn't want to risk losing market share to Android phone makers. So, um, as you say, pricing strategy. Now, I want to take a closer look at some of the changes to the new iPhone, and it looks like safety is the big focus this year. Tell us more. Yeah, I am quite keenly watching how this plays out and is adopted. So here is something called a satellite emergency service feature. So basically, if you are off the beaten trail, if you're on Mount Everest, if you are under the sea, or maybe not under the sea, but in a really remote place without um, telco coverage, you can still get connected to a satellite. And this is where you can maybe send an SOS or a call for help. And this is where the iPhone 14's antennas are directly connected to a satellite. And this will then mean you are always connected. And I'm just imagining how this could play out in future. You know? Always on connectivity and you're always also being tracked. And if it does take off, like how Apple is a big trendsetter in these type of technologies, I'm just imagining the applications that can come forth with this um, type of satellite connection. Another feature that is making me take notice is the eSIM feature. So Apple saying US iPhone 14 models will no longer use physical SIM cards. So that familiar small um, card that you put in your phone for, to just activate the number that you have with your telco, that is going to be a thing of the past when it comes to iPhone 14 in the US. And that replaces that will be replaced with a digital eSIM. So it's pretty much a, an app-based solution uh, where you can just turn it on and apply to any provider of eSIMs. So it is interesting to see how this takes off because Apple is a bit of a trendsetter when it comes to services and technology. So if they do take off, maybe the likes of Samsung and other phone makers might also go down this path. So fascinating. Looks like, you know, extreme sports enthusiasts are going to love this, right? I mean, it's one of my biggest nightmares. You go trekking in an, in an, in the Amazon, and then you wonder, how am I going to find my way back? Um, Global Star is providing the mobile satellite services for Apple's new safety satellite feature. And so Apple's announcement sent shares of Global Star soaring overnight. They jumped as much as 42% in after-hours action after suspending trade during regular hours. However, those gains quickly evaporated, and Global Star shares are currently up just 3% in after-hours trade. Yesterday, Ryan, we spent a good bit of time talking about watches, Apple is unveiling a bigger and more rugged watch called Ultra, which is aimed at those outdoor athletes. What do you make of it? Yeah, it is looking quite pretty. So Mm. if you are the type to go long distance running, hiking, or any serious outdoor activity, then this watch might be for you because it is expected to be more durable and this will cost you $799. So it's got a larger screen, a new button that gives what they call quick physical control. So you can kind of calibrate it to do what you want and just hit the button conveniently when you want it to be activated. So when you're in the middle of a run, for example, you want to do something, just hit that button and it will do what you want it to do. So this also comes with a bigger battery, 
that can keep it running for up to 60 hours in low power mode. So all in, you've got Apple trying to get a bigger size or bigger slice of the pie when it comes to wearables, especially in the, I guess, athletic part of the market. It'll track your body temperature, detect crashes, and has a new low power mode. Very useful if you're out there doing your extreme sports. Investors are so far taking Apple's product and price announcements in stride. Shares of the iPhone maker close up 1% overnight. All right, time now to revisit the Elon Musk files. The Delaware judge who is presiding over Musk's attempts to get out of his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter has slammed the billionaire for not handing over those text messages. All in all, it looks like a pretty mixed day for Musk and his lawyers as they've won at least one legal tussle. What's the latest here? I am struggling to wrap my head around this latest episode of Elon Musk Files. <laughs> so here you've got a bit of a mixed bag. So one of them is a judge scolding Elon Musk for not handing over some text messages. So essentially what a judge got was a pile of text and some gaps in between messages. So it did not make a very coherent flow of conversation. So there were some gaps in the logic of it and they figured out that something was missing and here's where the scolding comes in that he is or she has now forced or criticized Elon Musk for not being forthcoming with those text messages. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, there's a bit of a win Mm. um, when it comes to Elon Musk. So he or she has allowed Elon Musk to consolidate the whistleblower complaint as part of his um, lawsuit against Twitter. So I guess there's a bit of a win, but he also didn't win with his other request, which was to delay the trial to November. So that was a loss for him. So a bit of a win-lose-win. I don't know what to make of this. What do you think? I know the trial only officially gets going next month, but who do you think is winning the battle so far between Musk and Twitter? It's a tough one. It's been going back and forth every other week. I would say it's a stalemate right now. Yeah, it's like watching the tide, really. Twitter, meanwhile, is coming out with a new feature that it says is intended to fight misinformation. I think it's genius naming as well, uh, labeling. It's called Birdwatch, and it allows some users to write a note that can be attached to another person's tweet. Basically, I think if you've been tweeting something that is misleading, I can now attach a note to your tweet to provide context. The bird watch feature has been running as a pilot project for over a year, but Twitter is about to roll it out in a much bigger way over in the US. So what do you think? It seems like it could be right for misuse, like post-its upon post-its. Yeah, what took them so long, right? This has been something I think a lot of people were hoping to see when we had the US elections not too long ago. And of course, it will be useful in future elections and other types of events like COVID-19 Um, fake news and everything else that people might want to put forth to be debated about. So I think being able to crowdsource all these opinions and fact-checking it against other um, stuff is going to be quite useful and will make Twitter more relevant in the, well, very crowded social media space. How small is the font going to be for these additional notes is what I want to know. Mm, Good question. (laughs) All right, time for some geopolitics now and a set of dueling international meetings. On one front, we have Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin preparing to meet in Uzbekistan next week. If the trip goes ahead, it will be Xi's first trip outside of China since before the pandemic. Meanwhile, this evening, the U.S. 
U.S. is set to host 13 countries, including Singapore, in a meeting in Los Angeles for an economic grouping seen as a counterweight to China. Let's start with the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework for Prosperity, or IPEF. The trade grouping is not expected to address tariffs. So what exactly is Singapore and others looking to get out of this meeting? Yeah, so this IF, or rather IPEF, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, was set up in the wake of how the U.S. withdrew from the TPP. So this is the replacement engagement with the region, so to speak. And this was set up back in May by U.S. President Joe Biden. So now you've got the U.S. meeting these 13 partners, including Singapore, as well as Japan, India, South Korea, Australia, and Indonesia. Mm. So this is where they are trying to, I guess, drum up support for the U.S. agenda in terms of trade, in terms of economy, in terms of wider policies. So it will be something they will be trying to uh, get closer engagement with many of these member countries. So it is a bit of a milestone, so to speak. Um, and it also um, is with the backdrop of how China has been getting or gaining ground with the trade pacts that have been, that have been going on as well as the Belt and Road Initiative. So if we look ahead to the meeting next week between Xi and Putin, which will take place at a gathering of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, what can we expect to come out of this meeting? All right. So that meeting happening in Uzbekistan mm. is worth watching because this, like you pointed out, is a important signal or step towards both of them warming their ties even more. And this increasingly against the West. So this meeting will be happening at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And this is a political, economic and security forum. And this is also interesting to watch because it comes at a very delicate time for both leaders. For Russia, of course, you've got the Ukraine war, which is just weighing down on perhaps public opinion against him. And in China, you've got Xi Jinping facing what is a very debated COVID-19 strategy where you have many businesses, people being frustrated and upset with how things are playing out with tightened measures. Mm -hmm. So that is not doing him any favours in terms of winning popularity as he tries to seek another term uh, come November during the conference that the Chinese government will be holding. All right. That's a great overview, Ryan. It is time to switch gears, though, and uh, play Up or Down, the corporate news edition. Are you ready? Let's go. Assassin's Creed maker Ubisoft. Hmm, I am going down with Ubisoft. And this is reflected in share price. Down more than 17%. And this is after Chinese giant Tencent upped its stake in Ubisoft. Yeah, investors were hoping for a full takeover. So Ubisoft was on a roller coaster overnight. But it's down for me as well. Look at that. It finished down 17% after Tencent upped its stake in the company. Neo. Neo would be a down for me. So this is with this, its earnings painting a picture of a second quarter loss despite an increase in EV shipments. Mm. So it is not making money, so to speak. Yeah, Neo in the red and its losses are widening because of those higher R&D costs, amongst other factors. The Chinese EV maker lost more than half a billion dollars in the second quarter of the year. In US trade, Neo shares still finish higher. So even though earnings are down, I'm still going to give Neo a tentative long-term up. Adnani is next. I would go with up for this Indian tycoon. So <laughs> he's been in the news recently for being number three on the world's richest list. So he's now fast approaching overtaking or at least matching 
Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. And this is off the back of his, well, the stock in his, or the share price in his stock rising more than 1,000%. Wow. I'm going to give him an up as well, but for slightly different reasons. Uh, Adnani, which is owned by the world's third richest man, the Indian company, it is embarking on a 70 billion US dollar green push. So he's going to build solar, electrolyzer and wind turbine Mm. plants. So in my book, that's enough. Let's look at Singapore. Uh, let's look at GDS listing on the SGX. Okay, so I would go with an up for this uh, story. So GDS is thinking of doing a secondary listing in Singapore mm-hmm. in addition to its US and Hong Kong listing. So this is the data center operator. So it's going to be a big win for SGX. Indeed. So the data center operator GDS could list right here in Singapore on the Singapore Exchange. New listings always good for SGX. So I'm going to give this an up. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. DFI Retail and Jardine Cycle and Carriage led the Straits Times Index lower yesterday. The STI finished down 0.4% at 32.10. We're currently 22 minutes into the local trading day. Fill us in, Ryan. How are blue chips trading this morning? All right, Michelle, it looks like green on the screen across the region, just like what we had overnight on Wall Street. So tracking the regional gains, we've got the STI bouncing back 0.9% at 3,238. And across the 30 constituents, only one counter in the red. And that is Johnny Matheson Holdings down 0.02%. Otherwise, it's pretty much all... In the green, led by Dairy Farm International, 1.9% up. And close behind, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, DBS, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, and Fraser's LNC Trust. So pretty much gains across the board. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan Huang. I'm going to be away, so Ryan is going to do some heavy lifting over the next couple of days. Have a good Enjoy one. Enjoy your break, Michelle. Thank you so much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.